Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself, learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you've found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, it's Rena Olson. Welcome to the Relevate Podcast. In this episode, you'll meet a friend of mine, Nakia Cole. I've known Nakia some six years now and would have never guessed this radiant, joy, and faith-filled person had this story to tell. She's written a book about her life journey, My Identity, Christ Is. A word of caution for listeners with children within earshot. This is an adults-only conversation with content that will be at times tough to hear. With that said, let's get on with the conversation. Cheers, Ikea Cole. Welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Best way to start is with a little caffeine and a little prayer. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. I agree. (laughs) Life is much better with the both of them. Yes, 100%. Helps me keep going. That and some Jesus all the way. Yes. All the way. Yes, yes, yes. Well, so fun. We've known each other for quite a while now. Yes, ma'am. First got connected when I was working for a nonprofit. Yes, ma'am. And you were at North Point Community Church. Yes. And um, every interaction I had with you was just so fantastic. Thank you. Same as well. And I'm just so excited to be here. And um, I just remember all the times just helping the community and doing things. And it's like, God, what else can I do? How else can I make a difference and make a change? And so... Um, that led to my story and just us reconnecting, and I'm just so excited about I it. And and just the doors he opens mm. when you're faithful and yes. ready to take another step and not be complacent with being stuck in one place. Yes, you know, I and agree. sometimes the the forward motion it's painful. Yes, <laughs> you know, we're yes. a lot of times change is hard for a lot of people, but I agree. You know, you just gotta, you gotta keep moving forward. Yeah. And sometimes it's scary. And I think that's where faith comes in knowing that, you know, I think of the quote that Martin Luther King Jr. said, like, you don't have to see the full staircase to take the first step and knowing who is is there. I've never heard that. Knowing who's there leading and guiding you. That's where the faith comes in. It's like, okay, God, you're the author and the finisher. You see it all. I only Mm. see right now. I'm nervous about what is next, but I know who is with me as I go to the next steps. And that helps give some peace. It's still a little scary and, um, you know, still kind of painful at times, but it's always worth it because his will is so much better than anything we could ever imagine. Yeah. And how boring would life be if we just knew the end of the story and it was all expected. Yes. And we'd probably mess it up to be honest. Like, you know what? I don't like that ending. Let me change it and do something else. So it's a good thing that we don't know all the steps. Um, So my listeners who listen to the Relevate podcast know that I talk about baby steps in almost every episode, because I think people, they have like these big grandiose dreams, Mm -hmm. which that's awesome. Right. You know, I always want to encourage people to go, go for your dreams, but 100%. everything starts with a step. Yes. And I mean, you think step. about a baby, the baby always has to crawl before they start to walk, mm-hmm. before they start to run. And it's all about the fact that they're still moving, whether they're walking, crawling or running, they don't stop. And I think that's a good thing in life too. As you take those baby steps, no matter how small they are, just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Just keep moving forward. Amen, sister. Okay, well, again, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. It is awesome. You're my first guest post-COVID to to be live in the studio. And it is just so much better to be together in person. And I knew this day um, would happen. And it just, um, it feels so good to to be back here, to be healthy, to be face-to-face, and just um, sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Oh. 
Well, awesome. Well, let's just start off. Help us understand a little bit about about you. If you could just yeah. give us a brief introduction. Nikia. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, my name is Nakia Cole, and I am the wife of Andrew Cole. We we just celebrated thirteen years wow. um, on June seventh. Goes by so fast. Yes, it? it does. It does. We have um, three beautiful daughters: um, Gabrielle, Michaela, and Janiah. And uh, Gabby is eleven, getting ready to go into middle school in the fall. Good luck with that. Thanks. And uh, my middle baby will be going into the fourth grade, and then um, my baby baby will be going into third. So um, we've been living and coming uh, for about two years. We just moved up north from Alpharetta, but been in Forsyth County for a while. Um, And we just love life. We love one another. We do a lot of praying together. Um, We do a lot of talking together. There's never a dull moment. There's lots of personality in our home. And uh, (laughs) we went uh, during COVID, we got a a puppy. We got a male puppy to help my husband kind of balance out all Ah. the estrogen in our home. So what'd you get? (laughs) We got a Shishon and his name is Kingston because my husband's from Jamaica. So we named him Kingston. He's cute. It's a Shih Tzu mixed with a Bichon. So yeah. So he's, he's, Cutie, so cute. cutie pie. And, um, you know, we just, we like to have fun. We uh, have lots of, like I said, lots of personality, not a lack there. And um, I just wanted to be open to God. Um, I was working for a church and I came off staff this past December and I'm like, all right, God, my hands are open. I didn't know exactly what the next step was, but I knew that he was calling me to move. And again, like I said earlier, that's where that faith comes in. I'm not able to see what's next, but I know he was calling me to do something else. And I have been writing my story, honestly, off and on for about 10 years. Um, And the reason why it took so long to get it out was because I really feel like you have to check your motives before you do things. Mm-hmm. And there were a few times, if I'm being completely honest, that sure. it was more of like a, this person did this, so I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to get them back and I'm going to do this and I'm going to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why God says the vengeance is his and not ours, because we take things in our own hands and we have a tendency to kind of mess it up a little bit. Oh, and so um, those were not the right moments. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to a point where I was able to process a lot, I went to counseling. I got some healing. I surrendered to God and I was like, okay, God, this is not about me anymore. This is not even about the other people in my story. This is my story for your glory. And I want to make an impact and I want to make a difference. And so that's where God led me to just be very open with my story. And I feel that um, sometimes isolation is Satan's playground. And if he can make you feel alone, no one else has gone through what you've Mm -hmm. been through. Like Mm -hmm. you're the only one on that island and you have a tendency to kind of withdraw and be alone. And the word tells us that we're overcome by the words of our testimonies. And those Mm -hmm. testimonies need to be shared with someone else because somebody else is waiting for you to say something so they could be like, me too. Same here similar story and they can feel set free they can feel seen and heard and they can also receive and accept the deliverance that the lord has for them and so the whole point of this podcast oh i love it it. really is to inspire people Mm -hmm. you know because we're all we're all walking around with a whole lot of brokenness yes ma'am yes and if you if you hide in shame and you keep it locked down it Mm -hmm. will fester it just 100 percent. we have one life so that's it um you have to really work on breaking free and i think sometimes it just takes somebody sharing their story yes ma'am you know where it's like okay if nakia nakia can do it i can do it too right a hundred percent thank you for being brave for being extremely vulnerable yes ma'am in sharing your story because you know the Nakia I know so radiant so beautiful and full of life and Jesus I'd never in a million years Mm. would have suspected that you had such struggle as a young child Mm. so without giving it all away because um again the name of your book is yes it's my identity Christ is and the word crisis is in the middle marked out because we want to identify with Christ and not necessarily the things that always send us into crisis. Okay. So let's kind of talk a little bit about, okay. about way on back, mm-hmm. little Nakia. Yes. Um, well, I was a military brat. So I was born in uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. 
Um, and my mother and my father were both in the military and they were not married at the time I was born. Um, so single parent for a little while with my mom. Um, so your dad was not in the, he picture. was not in the picture. No, she let him like know that I was there. It was kind of like they were having fun and I kind of crashed a party a little bit, <laughs> you know, but, um, so my mom married when I was a year old to my first stepfather and, uh, he, loves me just like mm -hmm. I was his and uh they there was a little bit of um tension around it because my mother is African-American and then he was white and his family was not exactly thrilled that he married outside of his race so um learning about um just race and racial tension and all that we kind of grew up in a home where we learned about diversity and inclusion and equity and all of that because you know we're two different people which um just to say when people say they don't see color that is definitely not the case because <laughs> yeah. we saw one another and it's all about seeing each other, but not treating anyone different because of the way they look and learning that from a young age was great. And, um, then they had two more kids. And he loved you a hundred percent, like a hundred percent. I mean, other so than much. us not looking alike, you would not know that I was not his biological daughter. He Aww. was an incredible father. Um, and then they went on to have my sister and my brother. So my sister and I are four years apart and my brother and I are six years apart. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did kindergarten in Germany. Then we were stationed um, a couple places. And most of my uh, life was spent in Columbus, Georgia, which is about two hours south of here in mm -hmm. Atlanta. So, Good. yeah. And then your wonderful stepdad. Mm -hmm. tell, tell me. Yes. So um, in the year 1993, when I was nine years old, um, I actually lost my grandmother, who was super close to you, in the month of March. And uh, that was really hard and because this, was, your mom's this mom. was my mom's mom. Um, she was my my superhero, honestly. Um, I loved her so much. We lost her in March to a stroke. Um, and I was there the morning it happened. We didn't know at the time. We just knew that she was talking one day. And the next morning she woke up and she, her speech was gone. And we didn't know what happened. And we learned that she had a stroke that took her speech. So up until the day she passed away, she didn't gain that back. Um, and I kind of struggled with that a little bit because she had been doing great. After, because we had to visit her, she lived in South Carolina, and we went back home. She had been doing great, and then and she was young. Yeah, she, she was only 50, 52 years old, and um, I struggled a little bit with that with God. Like you know, sometimes we negotiate with the Creator, Lord. If you do this, then I'll do this, and you know, as if we have that power. But I remember, like Lord, if you heal my grandmother, like I'll be a better kid. I'll be this, and sometimes the healing doesn't come the way that we think it should. And she was no longer suffering. And then about maybe a month later, my stepdad, um, he passed away in a car accident. And that was also very traumatic because I was still grieving my grandmother and now my stepdad. And just feeling that for my mom, I mean, losing her mom and then losing the love of her life, it was very difficult. Very, very difficult. Um, never lost faith in God, but I definitely was angry with God for sure. Oh, for sure. And at nine years old, mm -hmm. just, yeah, I remember praying like for God to just take me to Lord, just take me to because you've taken this one, you've taken that one, just take me to you. Uh, not really realizing what I was mm -hmm. praying, but just didn't really know what to do with that pain. Exactly. It was a lot. Exactly. Well, and I'm sure your mother was completely oh. devastated. Yes, ma'am. She was, she was broken here. She is with three kids and my father, my stepfather was so awesome. He did most of the cooking and paid the bills and did all these things. And now it's like, here she is with three small children, um, trying to navigate what to do because my brother was, he was going to be three that December, but he was only two. And, you know, my sister was five and I was nine and my mom, you know, was left with these wonderful kids and losing her mom and her husband. And it's like, what do I do now? Mm. So... It was hard. So the hard years, that was really kind of the beginning. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I mean, you don't have to share a whole lot about what happened next, but yeah. it really is kind of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the heart of your of your story. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Um, just to kind of give a glimpse of that. The heart um, of the broken part. Of yes. With all that hurt and pain, sometimes when we are broken, um, we do things out of our brokenness because we're not allowing the 
the potter, which is Jesus, to help put us back together. So we're kind of trying to piece the things back together ourselves. And just to give you um, a little tip of the iceberg, my mother that same year, so lost my grandmother in March, lost my stepdad in April. She remarried that same year in December. So things move pretty quickly um, and not necessarily to our advantage. It was a friend of the family that had been kind of coming over and comforting us and things like that. And uh, one of the things that happened, my stepdad was also in the military. And so um, dying in the in service, you get benefits mm-hmm. afterwards. And my mother had uh, inherited quite a few benefits financially from that. And so, um, of course, there's no price tag that you can put on losing your loved one. So she did the best she could with that. And I think, um, I know the person that she married was definitely, that was a huge factor in his decision to marry my mom was the dollar signs, was the benefits, mm-hmm. was the advantage of what could happen. And knowing that she was broken, knowing that she was trying to keep our family together and knowing that, um, she was enduring a lot of pain and totally took advantage of that situation mm-hmm. for the next three years. Mm-hmm. So um, that was from late 93 to 96. And during that time, um, we moved out of our childhood home and uh, they had a house built from the ground up and brand new cars and just all kinds of things, really trying to uh, use some of the money towards happiness as well as trying to uh, create this family unit. But God wasn't really all the way in that, you know? And so... um, So we're... Y'all connected with a church during this whole we time? Were to- we were connected with a church. The same church my mother attended um, when my stepfather passed away. We were still a part of that church. And my mom was given generously to that church as well. Um, and other people that needed help, she gave a lot away because she was just so generous and kind. And she, my mom has a very giving heart. If there's someone in need and she sees a need and there's a way that she can help, she's going to make it happen. And she did. Um And so over the course of three years, I witnessed physical abuse towards my mom. And I also endured um, sexual abuse from him. And so um, I didn't tell my mother right away just because I honestly felt the burden from the age of nine to 12, uh, which it was not my burden to carry. Uh, that I didn't want to take away my mom's happiness. I felt like she had endured so much pain already and that if I were to tell her what this man was doing, that would be something else that would be taken away from her. Not realizing that I wasn't doing the right thing by not telling her and trying to keep her safe when ultimately as parents, we want to keep our kids safe from anything and anyone. And so... um, The first time it happened, it wasn't really, like, obvious what was going on. Um, It was more like a test. I remember um, him asking me, like, do you think you're so strong? And I'm like, yeah, I'm strong. Well, how much weight can you carry? And he began to kind of get heavier and heavier. And he was heavy, but I just, I refused to be the person that's like, I'm tapping out. And I was like, I can handle it, even though I was struggling, because I'm like, I got to show my strength. Girl power, you know? And then the next time was um, seeing a shadow in my room. And I I just began to pray, because I didn't know what was moving in my room until I felt my bed go down and realize that it was him. And, and this new house that we moved to, my bedroom was downstairs by itself. So my mother's upstairs sleep, my siblings are upstairs sleep, and here he is. Um, he didn't do anything, but I just remember, like, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And I wrestled with telling my mom, but also had that thought of, like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin you this for her. protecting her. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I didn't want to ruin this for her. So, um, during that time, my mom, you know, she had an in-home daycare and she was doing a lot of things and, um, he was in the military as well. And so, um, just managing that over the course of time. And I remember there were moments that things would happen and I honestly felt like I was there, but I wasn't there. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that that was God protecting me. He was covering me even in the midst of the craziness and keeping me and, um, helping me stay in my right mind. Because even at school, I never let my grades drop. I never um, did any indication that something was happening. Because in my mind, I wanted that yuck to stay there. And I just wanted to like, 
disassociate myself from it. And I would just go to school and I would still laugh and talk and be with my friends. Those were very happy moments for me. Um, and sometimes I know people probably heard the saying that a house is not a home. And that's literally how I felt. My house was a house. It wasn't a home. It wasn't a wasn't a safe haven. Although my mom loved me and did all the things. And I know that she would have moved heaven and earth if she would have known what was going on. But I just, I carry that. And slowly um, during that time, I was introduced to uh, pornography. And that was my first introduction of hearing anything about sex at that time. And um, it was not a great introduction at all. It's not healthy. It's not the way that God intended it. And um, that was a lot to digest to from nine to 12 years old. And from those moments to me, sex was just disgusting. It was just, I did not want anything to do with it. Like, no. And then it became like, it happened often where it didn't even have an effect on me. I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. We're watching this. I would sit on one side. He would sit on the other side. No, like touchy, touchy, filly, filly, but just this yuck going on. And, um, it was, it was not great. It was not great at all. Um, and so, we, I endured that for a few years, never lost my faith in God because I knew that this was this man's choice to be like this. And if he was walking with God for real, this would not even cross his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got brave enough to tell my mom one day, uh, we were out of town and he was not with us. And we were watching a show about kids who had been through different types of abuse. And I had a lot of questions because some of them, it was sexual abuse. And I didn't know much about like, how you get pregnant, how things happen other than what I saw. So I was asking my mom a lot of questions and she gave me this eye like, hmm, why are you so intrigued by this? Why are you asking so many questions? And the first time she asked me, I was like, oh, I just want to know. And my mom's like, yeah, mm-mm. And I remember she called me into the bathroom, just her and I. And she sat me on the tub and she's like, I'm going to ask you again. Is there something you need to tell me? And I lied again and I was like, no, mom. I don't, there's not anything I need to tell you. Again, that, that mm-hmm. heaviness, mm-hmm. that guilt, like I can't take this away from my mom. And that one time she was like, look me in my eyes and tell me. I can't lie, look at my mother in her eyes. So I told her the truth. And in that moment, I felt like the weight lifted off my shoulders. I didn't have to carry that anymore. Now my mom was aware of the situation. And um, it was interesting for sure. Lots of feelings and emotions. I mean, I can't imagine what she was wrestling with in that moment. So she eventually did leave your step. She did. I, I don't even, he doesn't even deserve that title. No. Um, in my book, I call him Thorn. That's yeah. my name for him in my book is Thorn. Yeah. Yeah. But she didn't leave him right away. And I know that had to be so hard for you. It was hard. Um, I I remember telling her everything that happened. And thankfully we were out of town because, I I mean, she might have ended up in jail that day just from, you know, the emotions attached to that. Uh, And when when we got back home, we had him there and she asked me to kind of repeat what I said to have him confirm mm-hmm. that what I was saying was true. And he did. Mm-hmm. He did. He owned it. And she was devastated. Yeah. And in that moment, she looked at me and she asked me, do you think we can work through this? And at 12 years old, what do you say? I said, yes, mom we could work through this. And at that point, that burden that was released, that weight that was released, felt like it came back times three. And it felt like my voice was taken away because here's something that I dealt with for three years internally and and didn't want to ruin her happiness and didn't want to mess things up. And I finally have this opportunity where I'm like, here it is, and it's more like, okay, but can you just yeah. put that off your plate and, like, let's let's see if we yeah, can. let's just pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, and in that moment, I didn't understand. It took me some years to look back, but it was that chapter where I talk about that is called the brokenness. Mm-hmm. And, and as I stated before, sometimes when we're broken, 
we have a tendency to do things that don't make sense just because we we don't know what to do with that pain. Mm -hmm. And I know that my mom loves me like her and I are like best friends today. But in that moment, that fear probably of losing someone else and having these kids on my own. And I just made this move. There's so many things she's thinking of me a hundred percent, but there's a lot on her shoulders too. And a lot to deal with. And, um, it was hard. And also during that time, uh, the church we were attending kind of dismantled and a lot of the money that was given for certain things from our family were not seen through to fruition. It went to other things that were not for the church. So much, so much. Yeah. To, for, uh, and, you know, for, for so many people, you have all of that happening. Mm-hmm. Under the Christian umbrella, you know, that it's so many people would just say, God, I'm, you know, if this mm-hmm. is being a Christian, I'm, I'm done here. Mm-hmm. You know, how, why do you think you, you hung in there? I hung in there one, because I, I truly believe even now that God is my anchor and he's given us all free will. And there are times when people don't want to accept that beautiful gift that God gives us, when he had a son die on the cross for our sins and wants us to invite into his family, they want to choose the path of darkness. They want to choose the path of sinful nature. Um, and not that we don't all make mistakes, but there's a difference between mistakes and a bad habit. There's a difference between falling and getting up and falling and just kind of hanging out down there. And I just knew that he, he was not a man of God. He was not, and this was not um, something that I deserved. This was his doing and his sin that ultimately affected me. So as a young girl, that was your thought process? Yes, just because I had, my mom became a Christian when I was about five years old. So I was in church all that time, and I had developed my own relationship with Jesus. I had seen the things that he helped me through and kept my family through and I just trusted that he was with me and like I said even during those times where I was there but I wasn't there I know that that was God's protection I know that he didn't leave me and so with all of that I didn't blame God for what happened to be honest I was more upset with God when I lost my mom and my and my first stepdad than I was when this happened um it hit me different losing my voice but again, I didn't look at God in that when I looked at my mom, because again, we all make choices. And sometimes the choices we make affect other people connected to us. We don't always know how it will, mm-hmm. but we just have to be mindful that we are all connected in some way. And especially when it comes to families. Um, so I didn't, I didn't ever blame God for that. I was never angry with him. I just remember having that outlet of school, having that outlet of being able to be at home. And that's where I felt mm-hmm. the best. And so Maybe if I never had that, maybe if I felt kind of humdrum all across the board, it might be a different story, but I felt like you had that strong foundation to rest on even at a very young age. Yes, ma'am. I didn't know where else to turn. Like there was, there was like, that's not something you go to school and tell your friends. Definitely want to tell teacher. And to be honest, um, there was some shame in that. I didn't want anyone to know what was happening to me. I didn't want anyone to feel sorry for me. I didn't want anyone to take pity on me. Even in writing my book, when people read it, I want them to see the father. I don't want them to feel for me or man, I hate that that happened. Um, or woe is me or any of that. It was more like it happened to me, but I'm on the other side of this. And here's why, because God, not anything I did right or wrong. Cause I'm still on the hot mess express most days, but he is with me every single day, every single day. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful for that. And I rest in that, that when the storms come and the waves come, when you have that anchor, you think about a ship with an anchor out in the middle of the ocean, all kinds of, you know, hurricanes and rough waters and all that, but that anchor helps it, you know, kind of say, and that's how I envision God. Right. Well, and I always um, think of the shortest verse in the Bible with situations like this, mm-hmm. Jesus wept. 100%. You know, when his friend Lazarus died, mm-hmm. what did he do? He cried. He wept. Yes, he did. And he I did. think in situations like this, he wept when you were going through that. You yes, weren't ma'am. alone. He was with you. 100%. And I feel, and I tell people all the time, God is a gentleman. 
And so when he says he's standing at the door and he's knocking, he's knocking at the door of all of our hearts. Some people choose to open the door and some people choose not to open the door. And I feel like with the thorn in my life, he was knocking and he was not willing to open that door. So I definitely agree that Jesus wept because it's like, I want something different. I want you to not be doing this. I want you to change. You're hurting one of mine, but you're choosing to ignore me knocking at your door and you want to walk into the darkness. Mm. It's yeah. Before we move on to the hope part of your story, and there Mm -hmm. is a whole big part of hope um, that your story represents. I want to touch on the pornography piece a little bit. Um, because some people try to justify and think that it's a harmless activity. And um, I think you probably can argue that it is very devastating on a whole lot of levels. Can you just share any insight on that? 100%. It is definitely not a harmless act. Those images, what you're watching, it all is in your mind and then it can get to your heart. And that's why the Bible says like, so a man thinketh, so is he. When you're seeing those images, they are constantly playing in your mind. And I'll give you an example. I, because sex became so bad to me after watching pornography, I chose to remain a virgin until I got married. And on my wedding night, even though I hadn't watched the pornography in years, I felt like something was wrong with me because what happened with me didn't match what I saw on TV. Those, those standards that they're showing what they're showing, that is not real. That is not what God intended. And then sometimes you find yourself like comparing to something that's not true, something that's not okay. That's a sacred act that God intended for husband and wife, not to be on TV for the whole world to see. It is, it's all, it steals from you. It really does. And I remember even in college when, they were doing like cable packages and I had moved out and they're like, oh, well, you can get free HBO, free Showtime. And I didn't want it. They couldn't understand why I didn't want it. I knew that I would not turn on pornography, but what's free for someone else is not free for me. I didn't even want the appearance or the possibility or any of that to even be in my area. And to say that is to say it can attach to you. It can affect you. It is not okay. And if you are struggling with that, I highly advise that you um, seek help for that. Because it is stealing from you. It is stealing your time. And stealing your from your relationships. Yes, 100%. And your future relationships. Yes. Because it's not real. It's not real. It's very unrealistic. And then sometimes people watch that and find themselves putting that pressure on their spouses. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah. That's not how it's intended to be. So it, it does steal. And it may not be right now or tomorrow, but it's it's slowly creeping in. And those images, like it was a lot of counseling and praying to like get that out Mm -hmm. because it's not something you want in your head at all. It's not. With iPhones, you know, it's like you read about how young kids, Mm -hmm. you know, back in my day, it was like Playboy magazines, you know, it was, it was hard to, it was much more difficult to get your hands on like video pornography, but now it's just, Yes. And just, you I know, mean, it's, it's, it's right there. It is. It's no longer the birds and the bees. It's the actual act. And mm-hmm. then it stirs up the curiosity in these young kids' minds. Like, oh, what's that? Should I try? It's, it's just a door you do not want to open at all. It, you don't want to wrestle with that. Right. And the world will tell you, <laughs> it's okay. The word will tell you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's you put it by okay. the word. It is not okay. It is not okay. And I mean, that the eyes are your window to the soul yes. and if that's what you're watching that's what you're entertaining that's what you're giving power over right. yourself is those images and those things on tv and it's it's not okay right. and abusers were abused or mm-hmm. were exposed you know and that that cycle has a, a way of repeating itself yes. so that was the so case why even too. wade into mm-hmm. that you know, that cesspool to just perpetuate that harmful activity. So I agree. So I love the fact that you were in school, you excelled, you did good, you had fun because you could have easily, yes, ma'am, you could have easily gone downhill super fast. And a lot of times that's what happens to children who are experiencing, yes, you know, trauma in the, in the household. Mm -hmm. They don't have an outlet. They don't have anyone they feel like they can turn to. And even though sometimes that 
or walking with the Lord struggle too, because it's like, why is this happening to mm-hmm. me? Why? And it's but a legitimate why, question. Yeah. The why will make you crazy though. It will. And it's not until he brings you out mm-hmm. when you can look back and you're like, okay. So now when I say it's my story for God's glory, the things that have happened over my life, now I'm able to open that up and I want to reach back and help someone else. Mm-hmm. I want someone else to see that God brought me through. It was not anything I did on my own accord at all, like at all. It's all him. When everything came to, just as you mentioned before, that was Thorne's reasoning. Well, it happened to me when I was a kid. To which you wonder, in how's that logical in your head? If that hurt you and burdened you and traumatized you, why would you want to pass that on to someone else? Exactly. It makes And there's no way to even try to make it make sense. Mm -hmm. And so um, when my mom uh, left him, he got back with his family and they moved away for like three years. Mm -hmm. And so during that time, most of the money was gone. We ended up having to go back to my childhood home and picking up the pieces of life. Mm -hmm. It was hard. And I knew that I... But was it better for you because he was gone it was totally better because he was gone but the the outcome of all of the things Mm -hmm. the shambles that were left the broken pieces it was it was better because he was gone a hundred percent it just added to more pieces to the puzzle so instead of a 500 piece jigsaw now it seemed like a 2,000 piece jigsaw Mm -hmm. and you know, sometimes when you're putting a puzzle together, sometimes some people like to work on the edges first. Oh, yeah. and All the way. Yeah. And sometimes it looks like it goes here and you put it there and you're like, oh, that didn't fit. Let me change it. <laughs> and it, it takes time. You don't get there overnight. And so those broken pieces seem to multiply. And um, I knew in my heart that I wanted to forgive him because that's what God asked me to do, to forgive those that sin against us as he forgives us. And I had to chew on that a little bit because I didn't think he deserved to be forgiven. I didn't think that he deserved any kind of grace or anything. Why should I forgive him? Why? And you, you know what I learned? It was not for him. It was for me. Forgiving him allowed me to relinquish all of the power that he had over me and let it go. I no longer wanted to sit there and just chew on thoughts of what happened and think about him because that's what happens. When we don't forgive people, we ponder on those situations and all we're doing is giving them more power over us. We're allowing them to steal our time, our energy, our efforts. And sometimes what happens in our past affects the present and it holds us back from our future. That bitter little pill that we sometimes hold on to. It makes no sense. Yes. The only way you can be free of it is to release it and forgive that person. I mean, it makes no sense. Why should I forgive that person who has hurt me so terribly? Mm -hmm. But it is the only way to freedom. It is. So how, how old were you when you really were able to process and say, I forgive you? It was a journey, honestly, between probably the age of 13 and 15. And for some people, out of sight, out of mind, right? Mm -hmm. But after those three years of him moving away, he moved back to our city, to our neighborhood, to our church. So it was one of those things where you could talk about something all day. But now you got to see if you're actually able to walk that out. And I know people might be thinking, well, how come you guys didn't tell anybody? How come you didn't report it and all these things? And I don't have a perfect answer for that. One of the things I will say is in the moment of brokenness, when my mother chose to stay for just a little while longer, she too could have been held accountable. Had, you know, we told what he did and she knowingly kind of stayed there. And that was a piece of it. There are a couple pieces. It's it's a little complicated, but um, by all means, like, don't ever let that stop you from 
reporting that to someone, if that has happened to you or if you face that, you do what you need to do 100%. And so with that, I took those years and tried to put the pieces back together with my mom, with God, um, just with people and um, who were walking with Jesus and kind of counseling with us. And so him coming back was kind of like the ultimate, like I could look at him and not feel like a hatred or look at him and not feel afraid or look at him and not feel um, shame and guilt. And that for me was when I knew that I had kind of forgiven. Now in that same token, I want people to know forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. And forgiveness does not have to equal reconciliation. Now, did I ever struggle with it sometimes after that? Yes, because I told you for off and on for 10 years, I've been writing this book and there were moments where I was like, I kind of had those moments where, you know what, I'm, I'm going to write this because I know I forgave him, but people need to know, they need to know. And it wasn't from the right place. And, um, of course there are times I still have talked about it, writing a book about it. So it's still there, but it doesn't have any power over me. It doesn't bring me any guilt and shame. It's not anything that Satan can use to, um, make me feel some type of way because for a while after that happened, I felt like damaged goods. I did. I felt like, who's going to want me when they know my story? I wanted to take that away because I didn't want to be associated with that part. But um, God used that brokenness, those ashes, and he made something beautiful from it. Again, we'll say again, still in Hot Mess Express. (laughs) But walking with the Lord gives me strength and joy and forgiving others as he forgives me and just learning and growing with him each day and knowing that I am not perfect by any means, but anything that I can offer to point back to the father, that's what I'm going to do because we're supposed to be fishers of men and we want them to look to him because he's perfect because he's the God of love because he's the God that is the master in taking the brokenness and making something beautiful from it. Amen. Amen. Okay. So here's the book. And it's amazing. My identity, Christ is. So um, if you wouldn't mind, Mm -hmm. I would love for you to read the intro. Sure thing. Because I was like, wow. Yes. What it's all about. This book is dedicated to you. Yes, you reading this right now. I want to encourage you. Whatever you are going through right now, it does not have to define you. I pray my words will speak to you and help you realize you are not alone. Sometimes the enemy will toss so much at us that we lose sight of our Heavenly Father. The enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am writing to let you know no matter what happens, you can still stand in Christ. I am a living testimony. You may be in a hard season of life right now, but trust and believe you will come out. No matter what it looks like, It's not over until God says it's over. Here is my story for God's glory. Powerful stuff. Thank you. All glory to God. You're a beautiful writer. Thank you. In addition to a lot of a lot of things. (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay. Well, let's let's kind of transition to the hope part. Yes. And I think so many times when people are stuck in a hard place place in life it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to believe that things are going to get better right and you um you quoted the the 23rd psalm and how that was um you know the fact that we walk through the valley yes it's gonna get better yes it is definitely going to get better with faith in our heavenly father we know that he can do anything but fail what we go through it says that we'll be pressed and crushed, persecuted, but we're not abandoned. Mm -hmm. Broke down, but we're not destroyed. And so he has us in the palm of his hands. Mm -hmm. And he will definitely bring you through. And I know sometimes when the storms come and when it's a whole lot of stuff at one time, it's easy to lose sight of that. And sometimes we find ourselves drowning a little bit, but we got to remember our life, God walked on water. Like he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly all that we can ask 
or think. And you will get through. And when you get through, you will be able to look back over and you will see him in the midst of the storm. You will see his protection. You will see his covering. You will see where someone spoke to you here, spoke to you there. It will all work together. And that's Romans 8 and 28. When I first read that, you know, as a kid, I was like, woo, all things work together. Like, yes, woo, hallelujah. But when you go back and look, it doesn't say all good things, right? All the great things, all the fun things, all the exciting things. It says all things. And sometimes it's so, the hard okay, stuff. Okay, let's just hit pause. Yeah. Um, do you do you have that, that Bible verse memorized? Can you share it with us? Yes. Romans 8 and 28. For we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. Loving him is the key. When you love him, you want to aim to please him. When you want to aim to please him, you want to aim to trust him. And when you trust him, you can see him. And that's what you have to hold on to. And just remember, we had a real enemy. He does come to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't care who he uses and what he uses around us. But you know what? He's already defeated. He is already defeated. And we know in the end that we already win. It's just the going through to get to. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you like, oh, it's going to be tomorrow or next week. All I can tell you is your hand in God's hand. He's got you. And his ways are not our ways. And his time is definitely not always our time for sure. But it's always perfect. And you just have to hold on to that. You have to trust that he never fails. And it's going to be hard, and sometimes it could be really dark, but you just look to him. He's the light. You just look up. Look up to the hills. Look from where your help comes from. And sometimes you don't even have the words to pray. Mm-hmm. He already knows. Right. Sometimes our tears are words. Sometimes our moaning and groaning right. are words. Just never never let go of him and never never let yourself feel isolated. If you need to reach out to someone at church or a counselor or someone that can help you to know where you are and pray with you and encourage you, we need one another. Exactly. No one is meant to do this journey alone. That's why he says like, don't forsake the fellowship of the brethren, your sisters and brothers in Christ and how iron sharpens iron because where I might be weak, you may be strong and vice versa. When I'm falling, you can help me get up. It's easier for two people to make it together than just the one by himself. Mm -hmm. And the Lord is with us. He's always there in the midst where two or three are gathered. So don't ever feel alone. Don't ever let Satan make you feel like you're too bad or you've done too much or whatever you went through is your fault. Those are all lies. And he is the father of lies. And just call on the name of the Lord. Right. And people that aren't rooted in the faith, that mm-hmm. were not raised in a Christian home, mm-hmm. that got a bad taste of Christianity for a whole lot of good reasons. Right. I mean, there have been a lot of people who've done a lot of bad things under the banner of mm-hmm. God and Jesus. Um, that is that is fact. Mm-hmm. But for me, it, you know, by having this podcast, it's important to to just kind of show people a different side of being a person of faith. Yes. And it's not about going to church or whatever. It's about relationship. A hundred percent. And he wants an abundant life for you. Yes. And a life separate from him, I believe it's just not possible. It's not. Because you'll be searching for answers in all types of things. There's this void that only he can fill. And... You know, you might look for it in drugs or alcohol or buying things or always, you know, traveling or trying to find things to fill this void. And it's a void only he can fill. And I will say, if you have been hurt by someone under that banner, know that God is love. And those people were not walking according to Jesus because he loved others and not just those who had it all together. I mean, He's with the tax collectors. He's with all kinds of people. He was never too good for anyone. And so if someone has done something to you on behalf of those walking with Jesus, I just want to say I'm sorry. They were not walking with the Lord. He is love. You deserve to be loved and shown kindness. And that's what the faith teaches us to do. Right. And I know um, 
I'm, I'm going to get off on a little bit of a tangent here, but we're going to bring it back mm-hmm. to your story. But um, a new church has opened in Atlanta, Hillsong. Yes. Hillsong ATL with mm-hmm. Sam Collier as the pastor. And we were privileged to be there at the grand opening. And I'm just so excited about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he was just talking about racial reconciliation, mm. how that we've, we've just got to figure it out, figure it out. And yes. he was like, it's going to come from the church. hundred percent. It's going to come from his people. And that with Atlanta being, you know, where the birthplace of civil rights, I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to, it's going to come from Atlanta. And that just, I mean, I have just shivers mm. all over me, but we got to make it happen. It the people to. of faith, who's, government is not going to, they're not going to solve it. Yep. These fringe groups are not the answer. It's, it's the people of faith who are just um, going to rise up and, and yes. figure out a way to, to, to bridge the gap. A hundred percent. And, and just to say, like when God calls us to love, those are people that don't look like you, don't vote like you, don't act like you, don't think like you. There, there's no parameters love Mm -hmm. these kind of people love those it's love Mm -hmm. and unity and we are all serving and worshiping the same god we are called to be bridges not walls we're not called to be stumbling blocks to people getting in their faith and that means we got to come together we have to come together that we are all a part of god's creation Mm -hmm. he didn't make one better than the other one superior to the other yes we've had a crazy history in this country but that's not the way that god intended for it to be mm-hmm. we got to find that love and unity we got to come together pray together talk about the hard things yeah. i think we need to be having these candid conversations yes, just so ma'am. we can learn yes you know i now know not to say that right um but on the other hand it's like this whole cancel thing it's like in any relationship people make mistakes yes and the heart of Christianity is forgiveness. <laughs> you have right. to you have to extend grace mm-hmm. again and again, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And yes. that's within the family first yes. and foremost. Yes. Within the family of Christ, you know, it's like stop canceling people. I mean, there are there are occasions where you have to you have to let people go. Yes, who are toxic. Yes, but it's like people are getting canceled right and left for just mm-hmm. saying phrasing something wrong. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not, that's not cool. No. And I think it really goes down to what I tell a lot of people. I have Nakia speaks and I talk to a lot of people about diversifying your circle. Mm -hmm. If you diversify your circle, you get into relationships with people that don't look like you think like you are like you, you are able to build relational equity and you have that safe place where you can come together and have these conversations, you know, I think you have to just, you have to build that relationship. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's what we should be doing anyway, right? We should be surrounding ourselves with people of different races and different cultures. And um, because we, especially having the father in common, I mean, we're all trying to just work for the kingdom and how much better is it when we work together? Mm -hmm. So building those relationships allow for a person to be safe and have those conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think you just have to really discern that as well um, because everyone is not there yet, right? It's kind of like when you're running a track race and there's seven different people running, some are in the back, some in the middle. Everybody's not there yet, but we need to be working to get there. Yeah. And we need to be working to get there quickly because I'm pretty certain that heaven is full of all different colors Amen. and all different types of people and the reason why we say not to see color, because we want to see everything the way that God created it. Mm-hmm. All the colors, all the cultures, all the different types of hair textures, and everything, because it, he called it good mm-hmm. and beautiful. And we're all made in his image. Not exactly. There's not one mold that fits all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beauty of the kingdom. I think that's the beauty of humanity and embracing that. So just finding that safe place building that relational equity so you can have these conversations with someone that doesn't look like you and kind of bounce those ideas off each other as well as educating yourself. If you find a book or you find a podcast, you find something you're listening to and you have questions, reaching out to someone to ask those questions. I think um, we just, we got to extend grace on both sides. Sometimes I know um, 
there are some of my black friends that are like, man, I don't always want to be the resource for things. And then I have, you know, some of my white friends was like, well, I don't know who to ask and where to ask and just trying to find out how we meet in the middle. How do we have Mm -hmm. white people continue to grow and educate themselves? And we're not the source, but we're also willing to get in there and help bridge that gap and help work together because we got questions on both sides. Exactly. I mean, and people don't believe there's, there's a culture on both sides. There's white culture and there's black culture. Mm -hmm. And we, just need to come together and figure out how to make that a beautiful thing the way that God intended for it to right. be. And that's what has always made this country so awesome is yes. that we are a melting pot. Yes. We are not just, you know, the same of whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always been that way. Yeah. And um, the fact that we're, you know, so divided along all these stupid lines, it's mm-hmm. like it's not who we are. It's not. But to some people, it's Bible to them. Like it's this way or no way. And that is not, that is not love. And that's not the way that God intended for it to be at all. We are all created equal. We are all images of God. We are all, um, we all should be included and love. Everybody wants to be seen and heard and loved and accepted for who they are. Why would you not, why would you want to make someone else feel less than or inferior, Mm -hmm. feel like they can't measure up to something? We're all flawed. Yeah. You know? You know, only our Heavenly Father is perfect. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And when you know better, you get better. So there you go. You have to clean out the wound, you mm-hmm. know, before the healing can begin. So, 100%. So hopefully we're working towards healing as a nation. And I just encourage, like, each person to just inspect your own circle. I know a lot of times there are a lot of things I, you know, see, and there's policies and government things, and we're like, ugh. But really and truly, when it comes to loving your neighbors, right where you are, how can you make a difference and an impact right where you are? Lord knows I would love for different laws to change and different things to change. And we're going to continue to fight for that. Mm-hmm. But how can you make an impact and a difference right where you are with your neighbors and with your circle or even opening up your circle and being that bridge and just starting right, right in your community mm-hmm. and going from there? So tell me about your sweet husband, Andrew. I love the story. Yes. <laughs> how y'all met yes we um we met on myspace um we (laughs) myspace for those that may not know that's so way before facebook and instagram and all these things where tom was everyone's friend um and i at the time i didn't have a relationship with my father and i was kind of looking for my family members my husband's not my family member by the way just in case you're wondering um because my father is also from jamaica and uh i was kind of searching for names and doing different things and his picture kept popping up and i remember saying something like hey love your picture from ever in jamaica what are some fun things to do or whatever never expected him to write back and he did he so wrote you back thought he was cute i Another- did <laughs> i did i thought he was cute i did and i didn't expect him to write back but he did And from there, we kind of wrote back and forth a little bit. And then we started talking on the phone some. And we had a lot in common. And so I did the craziest thing I've ever done in my life. Never been to Jamaica. Got on a plane for a weekend and went over to meet him. And we met each other on Friday. Our first date was at his church. The next day, we got engaged on the Saturday. And then I came home on a Sunday. (laughs) Does that? Uh, Me. (laughs) yeah and then i went back over that was may 2000 that was june 2007 (laughs) went back over november 2007 to see him for thanksgiving and then went back over in march 2008 for our interview at the embassy which i don't know if you guys have ever watched the proposal but some of that is like legit like the whole (laughs) having to prove your relationship i mean we had a whole binder with our emails and pictures and plane tickets and phone records because they need to know that you're not Mm. just trying to get somebody over to america and so within two weeks, he received his visa, and he came to America March 28, 2008, and we had 90 days to get married. So the 90-day fiancé thing is also legit. Um, so him meeting my mom for the first time was him moving in with her in Columbus while I lived in Atlanta and would come visit them on the weekends. So it, it's, oh my gosh, it's been yeah. so fun, but such an adventure because you know, marriage, marriage is tough anyway, right? You got two different people from two different ways of living, two different ty- ways of thinking, trying to come together. And um, then we had cultures and countries on top of that. So mm-hmm. definitely have some fun stories there. <laughs> but that's my boo. And like I said, we just celebrated 13 years this past week. Now, would I let my girls do that? I might be on the tarmac like, no, wait a minute. What are you doing? But um, God knew what he was doing. So 
<laughs> so what was it about him mm-hmm. that was like, this is my boo? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, I felt, even though I was at a country I'd never been to before, when I was there with him, I felt safe. Even though, like, I never met him in person, mm-hmm. just all of our conversations. I mean, I remember him, like, putting me on a different side of the road, like, while we walked because of the cars and just making sure that I was okay. And he had actually came off his lunch break the first time I came there to pick me up and make sure I got checked into my hotel and everything before he went back to work, made sure I was safe. And it was just, I felt safe. I felt like, I felt like I was going to be okay. So by God's grace and mercy, we are still standing here today. It is. Because together we are stronger. 100%. Where my husband is strong, I'm weak, and vice versa. Yes. And the um, idea that marriage is forever, you know, sometimes you just got to stick it out. Yes. And taking it one step at a time and learning not to compare, for sure. And even... Um, like we talked about earlier, uh, taking forgiveness, this. Yes. Hello, top of yes. the list. Yes, definitely forgiveness. And grace, mm-hmm. that same grace that you want extended to you and extending that to the other person and choosing love every day because every day is not Sunday. And even when I talked about feeling isolated, I remember at first thinking it was just us because we're from two different countries because we're just, this is just our issue. Like the, our marriage is just hard because of this. And it's like, that's what Satan wanted me to believe. Like, we can't do it because it's just us. And it's like, no, it's all the marriages. And it's all about mm-hmm. choosing grace and love. And it's all about making the foundation built on your heavenly father. Because the storms are coming. The waves are coming. The ups and downs are coming. Employed, unemployed. Money today, no money tomorrow. You know, <laughs> hamburgers today, peanut butter and jelly tomorrow. You know, yeah. and you got to still choose love and now I have a relationship with my father now you do I do and so even seeing the like the things that I kind of missed out on seeing my husband do that with my girls it's a beautiful thing to witness my dad and I reconnected four years ago for the first time in 18 years and he is in my life we talk Mm -hmm. often he's met my daughters and my husband and I love my dad so much and he loves me so much. And it's, we don't really, we kind of, you know, talk through things, but it's Mm -hmm. more like you don't want to dwell too much on what was missed and what was stolen as much as just like honoring the time that you have because no man knows. Right. And just loving each other and talk. I mean, he's, I could talk to my dad about everything and anything and my mom too. Like I know it was kind of hard hearing that part about my mom, but my mom, she's, She's one of my best friends. She's like my biggest cheerleader. And she's in my life actively and my kids and my husband. And I just, I am so grateful for my parents. Well, I just appreciate you sharing your story so much. And just the, um, you know, your heart to choose forgiveness Mm -hmm. time and time again. And the fruit that has borne in in your life in terms of, you know, being able to let that go and have good relationships and being open to love um, and to building just a precious family with those three little girls. It's Thank you so much. Well, one last question for you. The word relevate Mm -hmm. means to inspire or to restore to good spirits. Mm. She Mm. closes out with a word of inspiration for my listeners. Um, I would just encourage you today to kind of take a look in the mirror if there's anything that is holding you back that's in your past anything that's preventing you from taking that leap from accomplishing that goal from walking out that dream that you've had if there's any words that were spoken over you that were not kind and positive and you kind of struggle with your self-confidence or your self-worth or your self-esteem I want you to write those things down I want you to write those experiences down and I want you to ball it up and I want you to throw it away. And in throwing it away, I want you to imagine that trash can as the hands of our heavenly father, give it to him and you go and be the best you, you can be. You do not have to be defined by anything that has happened to you. You go reach those goals and you kill the game and you be the best of the best 
And I am cheering for you right now. I am cheering for you. Your Heavenly Father is cheering for you. You are loved. You are valued. You are worthy. And I want you to always remember that. Mm, Amen to that. Thank you so much for having me today. This has been so incredible. I just have chills and just thank you so much. So if people want to get in touch with you. Yes. So I'll you can say. go to my website. It is Nakia Cole and that's N-A-K-I-A Cole.com. On there you can, I, there's life coaching things. I have items that go along with the book. You can purchase the book. Um, you can read a little bit more about me and sign up for my newsletter. And I'd love to have you as a follower. Love to contact you. Um, my email address is Nakia at NakiaCole.com. If you want to send a question or anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Keep shining, my sister. I sure will. You okay. too. In my identity, Christ is, Nakia writes. I am a firm believer that we do not go through things just for ourselves, but we go through things to help someone else. That is my prayer for this book. I pray that it will help someone else. Dear one, real life people with sometimes hard yet important stories to tell. That is the heart of the Relevate podcast. And I'm so thankful Nakia was here to share her story. And I hope it blesses you as much as it did me. Wrapping this episode up with one of Nakia's favorite scriptures, and it is a good one, Romans 8, 28, which says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Here's to living life together for His purpose. Her name again is Nakia Latrice Cole, and her book is My Identity Christ Is. To connect with Nakia, visit nakiacole.com, and that is spelled N-A-K-I-A-C-O-L-E.com. For more information about yours truly, Rena Olson, the host of the Relevate Podcast, check out my website, rena-olson.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.